Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Sunbury Press publishes print, electronic, and audiobooks under a variety of imprints and categories available worldwide wherever books are sold. And now your host, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press, Lawrence Knorr. We're at the Sunbury Press studio at the Christian Baker Farm near historic Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. My guest today is Pastor Reginald Davis. He's the author of God's Truth to Youth in a World Full of Lies and Deception. Reginald F. Davis is a pastor, scholar, and native of Memphis, Tennessee. He's the author of seven additional books in the field of theology and religion, including Bible Study for Busy Pastors and Ministers and Transforming Faith to Shape the World Around Us. He has lectured at colleges, universities, and churches across the nation. He holds a Bachelor's of Arts from Incarnate World College and Master of Divinity from Colgate-Rochester Divinity School and a Ph.D. from Florida State University. He lives in Williamsburg, Virginia, with his wife and three children. Pastor Davis, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. First of all, I'm jealous of you living in Williamsburg. I love that (laughs) town and its history. I've been there a bunch of times, of course, to walk around the village and experience the the colonial history, uh, the more patriotic history, but a great, great town to visit, and uh, you're you're very lucky to uh, live yes. there. It's a very historical, very beautiful city to live in. Yes, and uh, you know the other thing I noticed when I was there, and, and as I'm studying history myself, it is the also the history of religion in American history yes. has been very interesting. Yes. Williamsburg plays a big role in that too. I'm also impressed with, I mean, as somebody, I, I myself going for a PhD now, but when I see all the learning that you've done in your life, I, I'm just so impressed. And uh, of course, it looks like you followed a path to uh, to become a pastor. And I probably went in a bunch of different directions, getting into business and computer science and now history. So kudos to having focus <laughs> in your life. <laughs> It didn't start off that way, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's kind of my first question is, you know, you're native of Memphis. You end up in Williamsburg. Maybe give us, give our listeners a little bit of your background. When did you get your calling to be a pastor, and how did that all happen? Well, uh, I grew up uh, in a pastor's home. Uh, my father, who's now deceased, passed in 2020 uh, at 90 years old. He was a pastor for over 50 years. So I was born into a religious uh, family. Um, I was attracted to the ministry, but repelled at the same time. When I saw uh, the demand uh, that was put on my father, I observed all of that, and I really didn't want to get into it, but at the same time, I was attracted to it. Growing up in the black church, uh, it was the epic center of our hopes, our dreams. Um, it was the place where we got information about life and how to conduct yourself, uh, how to be successful in life and how to love one another, how to love other people and even how to love your enemies. And so um, but there was something missing uh, that I wanted to investigate. I wanted to investigate why there was so much violence, why there was so much hatred, why there was so much division. Uh, so that in itself propelled me. Uh, to go deeper into religion, to try to understand, um, you know, the tilt of religion. And so a lot of times I think uh, we don't assess and evaluate the very tilt of our religion. And so when you begin to look at religion, 
uh, it can tilt toward maintaining the status quo. It can tilt toward uh, things that are not uh, in alignment with the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wanted to uh, be able to help God's people, all God's people, regardless of their race or their color, so that we can get in alignment with the kingdom of God to give us the power uh, to transform our situation, because whatever you don't transform, it gets transferred. And so having uh, uh, studied, I decided to come on into the ministry. Um, but again, you know, when you get into ministry, there's a lot of structures you're up against, even in your own community, in your own church. Uh, so you have to work through all those things and you have to try to raise people's consciousness as to what we're all about. And so I had to try to tell people about the kingdom of God versus the church. Mm-hmm. The church is not the kingdom of God. It's just the doorway to get you into the kingdom of God. So it's been a long journey. Sometimes it's been very rewarding and very challenging, but um, I wouldn't do anything else. Yeah. Well, that, that's just wonderful. And before we get into your book, I, I wanted to go back and just talk a little bit about your father. You mentioned he just passed away. So it's very sorry for your loss. Um, I'm sure he is in a better place, <laughs> though, and I'm sure you're confident of that. But uh, you mentioned his age, that he passed away at 90, and as I'm thinking about what I know about history, as naive as I am, uh, it sounds like he was relatively the same age as Dr. Martin Luther King, if I'm not mistaken. Was there any yes. any influence there, any inspiration, any interaction? Well, um, my father, um, he uh, fought in the Korean War, and uh, he came out of a family of 13, so he really didn't. Uh, get the opportunity and the chance uh, to get the the theological uh, background. Uh, But what he had, what we had, what we call mother wit, he had that wisdom that God gave him uh, through the channels that he participated in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just know that uh, what he learned in life, he, he, um, he taught that to me and my other brothers and my one sister. And so, uh, but he always pushed us to go higher. And so it was his teaching. It was his disciplinarian attitude. uh, It was his love for us uh, that really propelled us to want to go higher than he did. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I see missing today because a lot of parents that didn't get the chance to get the education, uh, they knew the importance of it. And so they pushed their children to get it, even though they didn't have it, but they pushed the children to get it uh, so that they could live a better life. And so uh, if we want to better our nation, if we want to better our communities, our neighborhoods, then we have to push them toward education. Uh, We have to let them know uh, that they can achieve and that you don't have to be uh, hindered by your circumstances. You can achieve if you want it. If you can believe it, you can achieve it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's a very wise counsel. And I, I think we're, you know, we could talk about a philosophical angle to this, or we could just get into, you know, what's happening in the world. But at the base of this, we seem to be in a, you know, what I'm reading, and not to get too academic, and I'll, I promise only to do this for a minute, and then we'll get back to more <laughs> real world things. But we're in this postmodern, more existential era where there's no there's no course of events there's no meaning to things and i worry that not only the young people but adults as well we're having difficulty finding meaning in our lives 
And a lot of that comes out of the education and the experiences we have through media, the entertainment, what we read. I mean, we're just surrounded by um, what I'll just call like a chaotic, chaotic confusion. Yes. And uh, somebody needs to shine a light through that. I don't know. I don't know if that if that hits the court a little bit, if that means anything to you. but Yes, and that's one reason why I was um, influenced to go ahead and write a book, you know, for the youth. Yeah. Uh, because we are overloaded with a lot of information, uh, television, you name it. I mean, information is coming to us uh, from all angles. And you have to be able to uh, discern, you know, uh, the wisdom in the information. You have to be able to uh, see what it is that God is trying to tell us. And uh, sometimes we get drowned out by so much information. And a lot of people don't know how to handle this flood of information coming to them. So that's one reason why I wanted to write the book to the youth, because with technology, with devices in their hands, I mean, they, they have access to information uh, by their fingertips everywhere they're turned. Uh, you know, Twitter, you name it. But I want them to be able to think deeper and get into some quiet places so that they can begin to hear that inner voice. Uh, I remember a prophet by the name of Elijah uh, when he, uh, when the scripture talks about that, 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 that the wind was blowing, but God was not in the wind. Uh, uh, that was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. That was a fire, but God was not in the fire. But then it said that still small voice. Yeah. So when we look at the fires, when we look at the earthquakes and the winds and all of those things that are coming at us information wise, it is difficult to really hear the voice of God. And so I want young folks to be able to hear God's voice. But you're going to have to be in a position to be able to hear that still small voice on the inside and not just only young people. But adults and the postmodern church, yeah. because God has something to say in our uh, postmodern times. Uh, we are living in chaotic times. We are living in times of political differences. and uh, The enemy is trying to rip this country apart. And what I'm trying to do is tell young people, we need your help. We need your help. First of all, you have to come back to God. You got to listen to his voice. You have to obey him. And we are in a spiritual warfare. And most of the conversations and the public discourses that I hear, they don't even mention the spiritual warfare that we're in. They don't even mention God. They don't even yeah. mention. And even when they do mention God, it's almost like uh, they have formed their opinion and they throw God in there to Pastor, give it legitimation. Pastor, we but are. I want young people to be able to listen to God based upon the word of God so that God can speak to their hearts and their minds, that inner voice. And I think. When we go back, out of all of the noise and the clutter and the information coming our way, I think that we need to be still, first of all, to know that God is God and to be able to listen to that still, small voice. Pastor, if we, we do, do that. I believe we do that have we to can take... transform this culture in which we live. I completely agree. We do need to take a break. I apologize for cutting you off. We'll be back in just a minute. We're talking to Pastor Reginald Davis. 
Sunbury Press Books offers work by independent authors. Our imprint, Catamount Press, explores literature and creative nonfiction of the Northern Appalachia. The writings of P.J. Piccarello, including the Northern Appalachia Review Series, an annual publication for under-recognized literature. Also check out Dennis LeBaire's Appalachian Gross Dog, a boomer's memoir. Find these and more at sunburypress.com. I'm back talking to Pastor Reginald Davis and... Pastor Davis, we uh, touched a little bit on the spiritual warfare that's going on in the world right now. Where do you see this happening most? And, and maybe we could talk about maybe in our country, even the Williamsburg area or East Coast or just nationally, however you want to address that. Where are you seeing it? Well, when I think of the spiritual warfare, um, I see it happening happening globally, uh, happening globally, uh, nationally. Uh, locally, uh, it's in everything that we do, there's a spiritual warfare going on. And what I try to tell God's people, black, white, brown, or yellow, you know, our warfare is not common. We're not fighting each other based upon the color of our skins or because of our political differences. Right. We have to think deep, deeper about what it is that we're really engaged in. And that is we're engaged in a spiritual warfare. Uh, there are invisible forces that are at work uh, um, competing for our interests, our loyalty, all of those things. And, and a lot of times we clash. But sometimes, like I tell people uh, at the church, the enemy will see differences among us and use those differences against us. But we have to be wise enough to know uh, that that is uh, what he is trying to do. When I say he, I'm talking about the devil, uh, Satan, uh, the deceiver, and he's deceiving mankind. And so uh, I want people to understand that this spiritual world, we can't see the spirits, but they are there. And just like the wind, we can't see it, but we feel that it blows against us. So there is an invisible world and there is a physical world. We have to be conscious of the spiritual world that's taking place. There are spiritual uh, forces out there. That's why the, the Paul talks about spiritual wickedness in high places, and I would even say in low places. Yeah. It influences our decisions, our personal decisions, our family decisions, our national decisions, and our international decisions. And so in order to fight these uh, spirits, we have to have that Holy Spirit in us to be able to uh, combat these forces and to overcome those forces. If you look at the life of Jesus, that's what he did. He understood the spiritual forces. When people were demon-possessed, he called those forces out of people that was trying to destroy them. Now, I know that's difficult to understand because people can't see it, but you see the results of something that's invisible. But Paul talks about it. The scriptures talk about it. We have to be conscious of that spiritual warfare that is taking place, even as I speak, influencing mankind and the enemy, Satan. Even Jesus uh, talked about his job description. And his job description is to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. But then Jesus says, my job description is that I come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. So until we turn to God, until America turns to God, until the nations of the world turn to God, we're going to continue to lose this warfare because the enemy of our souls is out to destroy us. 
because God has replaced us for them. And they've been angry ever since. If you go in the book of Revelation, it says, Woe unto the earth and the sea for the dragon. Talking about that old devil, the serpent. He has fallen. All right. He has fallen and he's angry. Why is he angry? First of all, he's angry because he lost the battle, the mutiny against God. Now he wants to turn mankind against God. So we have to teach people how to think spiritually. We have to teach people how to hear that still small voice on the inside of us because Christ gave us power when he gave us the Holy Spirit. Wow. That was brilliant. I I just have to say, as somebody who's 58 and I've had a long journey regarding spirituality and religion. You know, I you talk about the wickedness in the world, and maybe five years ago I would have said, yeah, yeah, you know, I got too much on my plate. I'm too busy. You know, I'm not seeing it or hearing it. But today, in today's world, wow, it's everywhere. I mean, I am seeing yes. it. My wife and I discuss it all the time. And, uh, you know, our questions are what to do about it. And me, working on an academic degree, um, you know, I've been thinking about or you talk about invisible forces, I would say, you know, how, how are they manifesting? And one of the things that I've noticed in studying history is the lack of discussion of Christianity in American history in modern, in the more recent texts and writings. And yes, history played a profound role. Now they're writing it out. And also the philosophy coming from Marx about dividing on class or, or race or whatever, you know, it has its root in that atheist philosophy of dividing us and trying right. to trying to explain our society that way. But Pastor Davis, we do have to take another break and we're going to come back and talk about that, I promise, in just a minute. Sunbury Press Books brings you the work of independent, diverse authors. Hearth and Home Press brings you When I Listen to a Farmer by Pete Curran, a book of photos and stories from American farmers. Also check out Fly Fishing for Trout and Bass, a beginner's quick guide by Charles F. Johnson, and At Home, 92 home-based activities to keep adults and children busy, sane, and centered by Prudence Ingerman. Find these and other intriguing works at sunburypress.com. All right, I'm back with Pastor Davis, and we left off talking a little bit about the university and Marxism and how that's infiltrated all the teaching that's going on, uh, not only at the university, but through the public schools and so on. Um, I think, in my, at least what I'm seeing, is that that's part of it, and I'm sure there's a lot more to it than just that. Pastor Davis, what, what are your observations on that? Well, uh, as you begin to, again, look at all of the information and the interpretations that come into us, we have to discern, um, is this lining up with the kingdom of God? And I understand the philosophical and uh, uh, sociological differences that people uh, are communicating. But what I try to do is line up uh, things uh, to see if it lines up with the kingdom of God. Now, Marxism and all these other isms uh, we know at times we have to look at uh, I, when I when I think about what Marxism is trying to get at, uh, when I think about capitalism and when I think about all these things, it's just yeah, God wants us to prosper. God wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. But at the same time, when he talks about his kingdom, his kingdom is that the commonwealth commonwealth we all should have access to the commonwealth of the kingdom 
And whatever God blesses us with, we ought to look out for our neighbor. We ought to look out for, you know, the poor people. We ought to look out for people. Now, that's not to say that everybody is going to be on the same economic and social uh, line. But that just simply means look out for your neighbor. Make sure your neighbor's basic needs are met. All right. So, so again, God wants us, all of his children, to have access to that commonwealth. He, he, he became poor that we might become rich, not only uh, uh, in resources, but rich in compassion, rich in giving, uh, rich in loving one another. If we just apply the principles of the kingdom of God to our nation, our politics, our laws, all of that, I think that we will see a significant transformation taking place. And not just here in America, but all over. Christ didn't bring us to church. And I think that's one thing that people get mixed up. He often talked about the kingdom. But we talk about the church more than we talk about the kingdom. Christ talked about the kingdom, and he only mentioned the church one time. And that was in private. So, again, when we elevate the church above the kingdom, then what we are actually doing, we are actually uh, 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 dividing ourselves uh, and, and, and all these denominations that we have when there's only one kingdom, and that's God's kingdom. So when we look at this whole thing, not, not religion, but kingdom, and if we can really understand the kingdom of God and how all of us, because that's what we lost. We lost the kingdom of God. Christ gave it back to us. And what we are doing, we are portioning it out in denominationalism, and, and, and that divides us, and that works against us. But we have to see the kingdom of God. And once we understand the kingdom of God and all of its principles, then I think Marxism, Lenin, capitalism, all of those things, I think then we will begin to uh, uh, have a new way of thinking about how we all can benefit from the kingdom of God. So, you know, we do have to kind of pull it in a little bit and focus on the book, which is the whole reason we got together. <laughs> and we've, we've just spent most of the show talking just generally about what's going on in the world and about about the church and the kingdom, right. which is awesome. I know that's the root of, you know, the basis of the book. But maybe in the yes. last five minutes, if you could kind of bring it home with why your focus on youth with this book and what your mission is with it. Well, the reason why I focus on youth is because – I'm, I'm looking at the breakdown in the family. I'm looking at the breakdown in the community. I'm looking at the breakdown in the nation. I think I read a few years ago, 84 million, 84 million young people have not made a decision for Christ. 84 million young people uh, don't go to church at all. So by them not making a decision for Christ, they don't go to church. And that tells me that they're going to be operating from a different set of principles, which which will make our nation worse. And there is a scripture that says that after Joshua and the elders passed, there arose another generation that knew not the Lord, nor the things that he had done for Israel. And when I see that this generation, this young people, 84 million, and when I see that they have no concept, no relationship, no teaching in their home or otherwise. That's why I was prepared to go ahead and write this book because 
It's just like a GPS when you're traveling. Sometimes you get lost. And when you get lost, that GPS system will reroute you. I want young people, first of all, uh, and recognize that they can get lost in this crazy world we live in. But God's word will reroute them and it's going to route them to God. And when they get routed to God, then I think then that's the thing that's going to make the difference in their individual and collective lives. My heart goes out for them. The family that used to be uh, when I was coming up is no more. I mean, you may have a few families like that, but we have we have just redefined the family. And so young people are seeing all of these things which are contradictory to the scriptures. And that's only because they don't know. And if we can put something in their hands and if they can read something, because we have to do our part. God, God, God just wants us to be the seed. See, if you just if you just sow the seeds, I'll take care of the rest. And if we can just sow the seeds in our young people, then God will do the rest. So I wanted this book to be a seed. And once it's a seed, then the Holy Spirit, God's word can work with these young people. And not for these young people to go along with what they see. And they do that because they have not been taught otherwise. Mm -hmm. So this book uh, and, and, and what I want to accomplish with this book is to give them something so that when they get at the crossroads or when they don't know which way to go, this book will be something like a GPS. Lord, help me. Or if they even if they don't know the Lord, they will come to know him. And then God will begin to route them to where he wants them to be. And once they come to God, then God will show them what their purpose is. And a lot of people that God has used in the past, in biblical history, did not come out of of, of, of religious homes or or biblical homes, but God still can use people. He used them then, he can use them now. All he asks us to do, just sow the seed. So that's what I wanted to do, is sow the seed so that when young people read this book, it's a seed, and I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will take it from there. Well, I can tell you, uh, having been your editor, it was a joy to read. Uh, I placed myself as a young person, imagined myself as a young person. It's been a while since I've been a young person, but I really tried hard. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I thought, you know, this, this sounds like Pastor Davis is sitting across from me and just having a conversation, and it is not preachy. It's just... You know, hey, I've been there. I've I've traveled your journey. It might have been a little yes. different, but these are the kinds of things that are going to happen in your life, and you're going to have crossroads, and you're going to need to make a choice. And this is the choice I think you should make. You're not always going to make the choice I recommend. I know that. But you're going to come around to realizing the truth at some point. That's what I took right. away from it, and I thought it was very well done. Yes, exactly. And even myself, coming out of a pastor's home, a religious home, yeah a Bible-believing home. You know, you, you can get sucked into this culture. Uh, but again, it's just like the, the prodigal son. He came out of a home where his father loved him and taught him, but he wanted to strike out on his own because he thought, you know, the green, the grass was greener on the other side. Uh, uh, you know, the, the lights of a pleasure beckoning for him. And he went out there. And we know the story that he lost everything he had and he ended up in a hog's pen. But the point I want to make is that even being in the hog pen, if the seed of the kingdom is in you, you can fall back on the seed. That's all God needs. 
He just needs the seed. So the prodigal son fell back, even while he was in the, 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 um, the hog's pen. He fell back on the seed and says, you know, how many servants my father has? And I'm here in the hogs. I will go. I'm going to get out of my situation and I'm going to go back home. In other words, I'm going to go back home to God. I may have lost my sonship, but at least I can ask him to make me a servant. And so that's all God is asking for us to do. Yeah, you might get lost in this culture. You might get lost on the road of life. But if that seed is in you, what I call that seed, that, that, that GPS is in you, just come on back. Yeah. And you'll be surprised when you come back. He won't condemn you because your situations and circumstances and your hard life that already done that. But what you'll see is that he's waiting for open arms to receive you back. And that's what we have to do. We have to put the seed in the young people. If that seed was not put it in me, there's no telling what I would be doing. But because my parents put the seed in me, because I try to put it in my children, they may not go the way I want them to go. Right now, just like I told my wife, I said, these kids have to make decisions, but hopefully we have put enough of the kingdom of God in them that when they get to a crossroad in life, all right, they would choose God over all these other things. And so this is my hope for the young people, that you are the future. You're going to be the future leaders, presidents, you name it, legislators, you name it. And if we can have some more God conscious young people who can grow into adulthood, who become the leaders of the nation, then that's the salvation of the, of the nation. But if you have young people that have no concept of God, no seed of the kingdom, and they become our leaders, all you're going to have is chaos and death. Yeah. And I don't want to see that with my children. I don't want to see that with my grandchildren, if, if they have any. I just don't want to see that for young people. And I know that that's why our founding fathers talks about talked about a more perfect union. Each generation has to work to make this nation a more perfect union. We have to work to push the kingdom and get it in line with the kingdom of God. When we do that, I know there'll be a cultural change. I, I, I'm speechless just listening to that, <laughs> and we are out of time. I have one response to what you just said. Amen. And uh, Pastor Reginald Davis, it's been great having you on today. We're going to have to have you back. I know we have another book in the pipeline. Yes, and, sir. Yes, yes sir. I'd be glad to, uh, to talk with you, and I want to thank you all, uh, first of all, for the outstanding work you all have done on the book. Uh, I've gotten a whole lot of compliments about the book. People are beginning to order the book. Uh, I got one pastor who's going to talk with the uh, uh, Northern uh, Baptist Association. I'm just trying to get it a into the hands of as many young people as I can, especially uh, areas uh, where there's a lot of crime, where there's a lot of depression, joblessness, hopelessness, spiritualness, all of that. I'm just trying to get them. If we can get back to God, come yeah. back to him. And I think that that's going to be because the more we we, you know, move away from God, the more we get from under his covering. All right. Well said. We've been talking to Pastor Reginald Davis, the author of God's Truth to Youth in a World Full of Lies and Deception. 
Thank you for listening to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Check out our website at www.sunburypress.com for our latest releases. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to receive special offers and discounts.